You've heard of Grammarly, and you might think it's a fancy spell check, but people on your team have been using it and loving it for years because it does way more than you realize. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that works seamlessly across apps and websites and can write an instant first draft in a few clicks, not a few hours. When every word your team writes is clear, concise and on brand, companies can save 19 days per employee per year. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash GreenFestival. I'm Caroline Hyde in New York, and this is Bloomberg Technology. Coming up in the next hour, the FTX fallout, it continues. Sam Bankman-Fried steps down as CEO, laying out as well the timeline for his company's bankruptcy. We're going to dive into the implications for cryptocurrencies at large and the future of the underlying technology. Plus, Twitter suspended its $8 subscription program to combat a growing problem of user impersonating major brands. More on the revenue strategy in a moment. And the tech space is under a major restructuring. But you never know it looking at the markets. The Nasdaq 100 just notched its biggest two-day record run in nine, up 9%, the best since 2008. Even though we see the meta layoffs, even though we see Amazon looking at trimming its workforce, not to mention Disney just now. We'll get to all of that in but a moment. But first... Let's stick with you, our audience, because we asked you to amid the myriad of news that we're just hearing from Emily, the fact that we have these layoffs, the fact that we have FTX imploding, the fact that, of course, we still have this run-up in stocks. What was the most important thing that caught your eye? You took to Twitter, you told us. No, it wasn't Twitter. No, it wasn't Meta. It was FTX bankruptcy. That is what rocked your world the most. Did it rock our own Katie Greifelds? world the most. Is it the biggest shocker for you, Katie? It was the biggest shocker, I would say. I think back to who I was a week ago, last Friday. <laughs> a different person. I was so young. I was so naive. <laughs> I didn't know that FTX was on sale. If you had told me that we would see FTX, the crypto exchange, one of the biggest players in the space, file for bankruptcy, I would not have believed you. If you would have told me, too, that Bitcoin would be trading around $17,000 a coin after that, too, I wouldn't have believed it either. Uh, it's, you Obviously, have seen a really rocky crypto market this week. Little bit of resilience, though. I don't know. I just, we're not talking about ten thousand. We're talking about seventeen thousand. And then, therefore, let's talk about the ripple effects, the contagion concerns, the issue that, therefore, we see across the rest of the markets. Because that's sort of where we're going with this. The fact that, for once, the correlations broke down. Yes, you still have this shock and awe when it comes to FTX and the rest of the crypto sphere. But actually, that didn't hold back the Nasdaq. And was that something people were talking about? Not at all. It's really, this is playing out in the most dramatic way possible in markets in that, on the upside, you have the Nasdaq 100, what, looking at one of its best weeks in years. Like you said, that headline at the top, 
its best two-day run since 2008. It's interesting because previously, until really this week, stocks and crypto were tied at the hip. It was mm -hmm. the same exact trade to really the detriment of the Bitcoin bulls, the crypto bulls that I would talk to. They would say this decoupling, when it happens from the equity market, it'll be such a relief for the crypto market. The decoupling happened. It was not bullish for crypto at all. And man, tech stocks just really ripping after that CPI report. And what's interesting, though, of course, amid all of this is the concerns about the tech layoffs, is the issue of the fact that suddenly we're in a different different paradigm right mm -hmm. now, where companies that we thought were no matter what unstoppable are now having to trim themselves. We're just getting the latest headline. It's a CNBC headline we know from Disney that they're looking at freezes, maybe even job cuts. We saw it from Meta, the biggest layoffs that we've ever seen in its history. Is that something that we should prepare ourselves more for? We've got yet further earnings next week, for example. I mean, these are the type of headlines that are unfortunately pretty common when you have the Fed hiking so yeah. aggressively. This is the impact of tightening financial conditions. These are the sort of news events that we unfortunately have to get used to. And when you contrast that with what we're seeing in the markets, this really goes to show sort of the cold-blooded nature of markets, that forward-looking sort of stance of markets that, okay, when you start to see these type of headlines, when you start to see the impact of these Fed rate hikes, maybe that closer gets us closer to the end destination. And you pair that, again, with the CPI print that we got, a seven-handle, nothing to celebrate, yeah. but cooler than expected, that maybe gets us closer to the end destination, maybe closer to that pivot. As I read from many, though, this market is kind of dangerous now. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Jonathan Golub himself, a real bull, saying... That was an overreaction, uh, one to bear in mind as we yeah. digest the data that's still to come over the next week or so. Katie Greifeld, a different person from a week ago. <laughs> we thank her so much. Meanwhile, sticking on the crypto fallout, let's talk about FTX. Let's talk about the rippling across the entire ecosystem here. Bloomberg's Yuxi Yang is with us on the story. I've seen your byline on every single piece of update that we've been having. You must be exhausted, but probably not as exhausted as a man whose wealth went from 16 billion to zero this week. What, are you, what is the next knock-on effect? What are we hearing and waiting for in terms of the news about the bankruptcy, for example? Of course, the bankruptcy news itself is a huge shocker for the industry. No one has seen this coming. Me neither. When I started the week, I did not know this is how it's going to all pan out. We are starting to see some contagion effect coming out. We know that, for example, Voyager, which is a bankrupt lender earlier on that was supposed to be bailed out by FTX, they now had to restart their bidding process essentially because of this bankruptcy uh, procedure for, for FTX and then at the same time even for big crypto market makers such as Genesis they have money that's being trapped in their trading account on FTX and then they had to get capital infusion for, from their ca uh, parent group uh, DCG. So we're expecting to see more companies coming out to disclose uh, the impact and we know from uh, the bankruptcy filing itself, uh, at least for Alameda, there's uh, 100,000 creditors listed and their liabilities uh, is at least to be uh, over $10 billion. So the size and scope should not be understated uh, it is the biggest bankruptcy we're seeing this year. Extraordinary, really. And therefore, the fall from grace of Sam Bankman-Fried himself, there will be movies written, there will be books, of course. The investigations that now continue into him and into what indeed has occurred, 
Is that going to be happening in the same time frame as we do understand who the creditors are? Where do you think the sort of the bucks are going to stop dropping? So for investigations, usually they're uh, lagging behind, but we do know that um, U.S. regulators are investigating them. Whether uh, the conclusion will come out soon, that's uh, uncertain. And from um, and then Sam Bankman-Fried himself is also being investigated by the SEC, as we reported yesterday. Um, so we're going to see um, a lot of angry customers and yeah. as a result, a lot of angry regulators all over the world as well, just looking at uh, the implications for this event. As many say, the lawyers are really the only people that win in these scenarios. When you've had more than 5 million customers, that's going to be a torturous process of unfolding this. How many people are telling you at the moment that there are further counterparties to go, that there is further... We've already heard from the sequoias of this world, for example, marking down their, their value, the overall holding to zero. We've already seen what SoftBank's implication was. Who are we worried about? Are we worried? You mentioned Genesis, for example. Um, so it is still too early to say who's going to be, which company is, is going to be the next one to fall completely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's one point that we should be hopefully um, uh, more hopeful about for the industry, which is um, comparing to the event in April when the industry has a huge deleveraging event yeah. uh, from the terror collapse. <laughs> the crypto industry today is um, much smaller than back then, mm-hmm. and then a lot of the lenders um, have already deleveraged. Um, so this is not not a good news. It is a one-two punch, but at the same time, the industry is already uh, downsized significantly from the beginning of the year. Luna, Voyager, Celsius, FTX. I'm sure for many, they hope that there's some calming after that. Yichi Yang, we thank her so much. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop. Customer satisfaction scores would rise and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Let's talk about Twitter. Suspending its $8 subscription program that was launched just earlier this week, that in an effort to combat a growing problem of users, of course, impersonating major brands, major people as well. It's all according to people familiar with the move at the moment, and I'm pleased to say across it all, and rather exhausted, is Alex Barinka. 
Thank you so much for joining us for a few moments, Alex. And just talk to us at the moment about what seems to be the U-turns that are going on. Is this sort of a startup culture once again with the CEO just throwing things against a wall and seeing what sticks? I think my neck and maybe a lot of others are hurting with all the whiplash we've seen already this week and the first week that Elon Musk has been at the helm of this business. This subscription move is one of those things. They rolled out this idea, this $8 subscription to get more users having this fam infamous blue check um, that used to signify uh, veracity of an account and now has been impersonated by the likes of folks pretending to be drug maker Eli Lilly saying insulin is now free. It's not um, to government ac accounts of governments and politicians. So kind of a big uproar here because um, it, it all plays into um, the kind of proliferation of misinformation that we've seen on the platform before that in a pre-Elon Musk world, tw Twitter really tried to lock down on. But in just five business days time, it seems like um, the misinformation, whether it's in jest or more serious, has started to really play a bigger role on that platform. And Alex, talk us through actually the irony of this proliferation of businesses that aren't actually those businesses getting these ticks is because Elon Musk himself wanted to move away from an advertising model because he was less he was more concerned about those businesses not advertising because they're worried about the fake news factor and turning to a subscription model but he's also been talking about other things within the business model maybe becoming a, a checking account provider I mean what are we hearing from this man in the leadership levels right now about the direction of travel for the business yeah, sources have told um, Bloomberg that they're looking for at least 50% of revenue to come from subscriptions. Elon Musk, remember, came from PayPal. Um, he has talked about payments. Could you send money to people? Could we give everyone $10 to start uh, having people send money to uh, other people via the platform? So it seems like they're pushing some of these ideas really quickly. Um, it seems like they're potentially pushing some of these ideas before they've thought through all of the implications with the, um, with the blue check verification the subscription issue being the lead one. Now, I want to underpin just how important this is for Elon Musk to figure out how to bring in more money and get this right. He told employees uh, in the past 24 hours, he threw out the word bankruptcy. If yeah. we don't figure out how to make subscriptions work, uh, the company could be in dire straits from a revenue perspective. So lots of pressure to figure out what is the thing, but it seems like kind of the darts they're throwing at the board really quickly this past week are not landing in a way that's keeping Twitter a place that people and brands and governments want to spend their time. Alex, it's an emotive and a difficult question, but when I'm looking at Palmy Olsen, our opinion writer over in London, who's saying that basically we might be watching Twitter implode in real time and that some are kind of debating as to whether he's purposefully running this business into the ground, how many people are sort of echoing those concerns? If you spend time on Twitter, you've seen that question posed in the context of, okay, he, remember, um, he is very uh, confidently talking about how he's going to change the platform and reignite free speech uh, at the helm. But it was only weeks ago that he was saying he did not want to own this asset at all. So when you think about the $13 billion in debt that this company now has from being taken private, the 3,700 employees who were fired, who are now getting severance paid out, um, throwing around that idea of bankruptcy is something that, you know, uh, could be a knock-on of, of what could he do. I will remind you that Elon Musk with Tesla and SpaceX, in the context of those companies, he's also thrown out that B word of bankruptcy. Uh, Elon has proven himself not to be the typical CEO who maybe would 
avoid that um, for for fear of stoking kind of um, bad bad mm. fears within a company. Um, but he has used this language before. So with him, perhaps there is a little bit of a, a more of a wait and see if this is something that he truly believes um, that the company is headed in that direction quickly, or yeah. if it is maybe his motivation tactic or something of that sort internally to get folks to figure out the next place to make some more money and make them do that from the office with no free food, which is just a minor detail in what is a very complex story. Alex Barenka, we thank you so much for the latest. And let's now continue this conversation from an e-commerce perspective as well, from a trust perspective. We've got a real expert for you, Rachel Tippograph, CEO and founder of Micmac. It's a global e-commerce enablement and analytics platform for multi-channel brands, huge brands that depend on you to understand where should I be putting my money to work when it comes to spending, to advertising, to social media. What are you seeing in terms of media traffic at the moment? What are your numbers telling you about how fearful they are of Twitter or how much it's useful for them at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right now I feel like we're living a movie about social media and except this time it's a different platform. In the last 30 days, we've seen a 75% decline in Twitter traffic. 75. 75% of which 80% of that decline happened since October 27th which is when Elon took ownership over Twitter. And just talk through that traffic drop. What is that meaning? That is meaning that you know, the companies that you're talking to just don't want to be anywhere near affiliated, they're, they're not posting on it, they're not putting out their products on it, or it's more people aren't interacting with them because they're so distracted by other things that are on the platform right now. Yeah, so at Micmac, we get trafficked through national digital media across all major social platforms. And so what, when we see a decline in traffic, it means that ad spend is being paused. Okay. The thing about advertising is that it's very easy to turn on and off. Mm -hmm. And so while things are so volatile right now, it's better for advertisers to take a back seat than expose their brand reputation. I was just speaking with the Amex CEO, Steve Square, yesterday, and he was talking about how where they put their money to work on a marketing perspective has to reflect their values. And this is what a lot of companies are doing, why General Mills are pulling back on Twitter and why we've heard GM do the same. Some thought about competition there too. But I'm interested as this is also an environment, a, a recessionary environment, a slowing down economically environment where people might be pressing pause everywhere. Is that the case or is this really idiosyncratic? It's actually not the case. Right now, it's November and December, Q4. This is when 60% of media spend normally happens. Okay. So we're seeing spend happen on Meta, on Snap, on Pinterest, on TikTok, on Google. People are spending. But spend is now being reallocated outside of Twitter into these other channels. And why is benefiting the most? I have a feeling I can guess. You could probably guess, but in the last seven days, we've seen a 20% increase in TikTok traffic. Oh, wow. And is that, I mean, today, just me, I was on TikTok and suddenly I found myself basically perusing some athleisure brand because it's singles day. And then just, I didn't even realize I was doing it native within that overall app until I'd clicked out of it and didn't actually buy what I was going to buy. But I'm interested as to, is it because we're in that particular months and, or is it actually a, a different reason? No, TikTok is inherently personalized. Yeah. It probably scares you how well the app knows you. And so when you open TikTok right there and then, they have a high consideration knowing what you want to buy. Mm. We actually see amazing conversion on that platform. And unlike other social platforms, you can get huge bang for your buck organically or being influencers. Most of the other social platforms, you have to pay to play. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have been sort of wringing their hands about 
the noise that has been built into the system, many lay blame, a lot of CEOs would like to lay blame at Apple's feet as to how perhaps some of the direct targeting has become less direct, less efficient in that respect, and probably harder for some of your clients. I'm interested in general, like, are you seeing at this moment what are your clients wanting to do? Are they wanting to have more effective, efficient use of social media? Are they backing away entirely? What, what are they saying to you? Yeah, I mean, changes in iOS 14 have really undone brand media as we know it. Mm. Platforms like Meta used to be an amazing conversion channel. Mm -hmm. But ever since the changes that Apple made, all of a sudden you're seeing spend shift out of national brand channels into environments like retail media. If you look at Amazon's most recent earnings, yes. Advertising grew 25% quarter over quarter. There's really strong ROI within those environments, as well as brand safety. You don't have to worry about issues like you're experiencing in Twitter in an environment like Amazon. Okay, and I love you. That, I love that you bring us back to the brand safety element. Is there anything in the here and the now that will change that 80% drop, do you think, for Twitter traffic? Yeah, this is not the first time a moment like this happened. In 2017, brands paused on YouTube mm -hmm. because of hate speech. In summer of 2020, brands paused on Facebook because of hate speech. Both of those platforms inevitably regained the trust of advertisers, but what it took was the corporate executive team going from conference room to conference room and showing that they can stabilize their platform and deliver on their words. Mm -hmm. So I don't think this has to be a forever thing for Twitter, but what the industry needs to see is stability and they need to see action, not words. Well, we thank you for your words. We thank you for coming in the studio as well. Such a great voice, Rachel Tippograf, of course, founder and CEO of Micmac. Meanwhile, we're going to be right back with more on Bloomberg Technology after this break. We're going to be talking so much more about the layoffs in particular across the sector. Stay with us. This is Bloomberg. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop. Customer satisfaction scores would rise and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. SoftBank founder 
Masayoshi's son says he will no longer speak at earnings presentations he's led for decades. That's after the company's Vision Fund. Of course, the arm that is doing a lot of investing had a $7.2 billion quarterly loss due to the write-downs on its tech investments. Now, SoftBank, which for years was the world's most aggressive tech investor, has virtually halted new investments and focused instead on its balance sheet. Meanwhile, Alibaba decided not to disclose full sales results for its signature Singles Day shopping festival. And that's for the first time ever. Alibaba said in a statement that the gross merchandise value was in line with last year's GMV performance, despite macro challenges and COVID-related impact. But some forecasts say, look, the figure could suffer a decline that's unprecedented in the event's 14-year history. I think this is the first of many cuts that we're going to see, um, not only for these companies, okay, but companies writ large. Uh, we, we've seen uh, over uh, hiring, uh, over inventorying, uh, over ordering, and that all has to get wrung out of the system. These companies are starting to take action, right, finally, and that's a positive. This is Bloomberg Technology. I'm Caroline Hyde in New York. You were just hearing from Mike Wilson, Morgan Stanley's chief U.S. equity strategist, about the current landscape of tech layoffs. And let's dig into that a little bit more, plus much other conversation topics to be having with the Activate founder and CEO, Michael Wolf, management consultant, previously COO and president of MTV. He was also on the boards of companies such as Yahoo, for example. You're a man who understands what it's like to run businesses, to have to slim down businesses, to see a restructuring. What do you make of not only Disney now saying that they're going to be cutting their jobs, freezing, hiring, only essential travel. We heard from Metaver, the, the artist formerly known as Facebook, but Meta, 11,000 jobs to go. These are significant cuts. There, there are a lot of other companies, Stripe, Lyft. There's so many of these companies are using this moment. But if you look at the numbers, it's it, in a lot of ways, they overshot. Mm -hmm. They expected that the growth that, that they experienced during the, the pandemic would be sustained. So, so if you look at what's happened with Meta, Meta in 2017 had 20. 5,000 employees. 2019, they had 50,000. After the cuts, after the 11,000 cuts, they're still going to be at 75,000 employees. So this is, this is just going back to yesterday a little bit. And, and, and it's also a moment in which they need to say to their investors, we're going to focus on profitability and recognize the realities of, of the web. I think what's interesting is also the manner in which these are being announced. To his credit, Mark Zuckerberg had a mere culpa moment. He said he, it was his personal responsibility. You've seen that echoed by other leaders as well, and whether or not it's, more previously, Shopify was almost the first company to really announce that really they'd, they'd got the trajectory wrong. They'd got the COVID lift, and they thought they could bring it into perpetuity, and actually, no, the arc was going to fall back down a little bit. And then on the other side, you have an Elon Musk who is doing it without much emotion. How do you, as a business leader, as a management consultant, think about the way in which these messages are delivered? Uh, for, well, overall in the tech business, we're losing about 100,000 jobs from those companies. But also, if you look at it from the perspective of the overall market, all those people are going to find other jobs. There's a tremendous amount of demand for technology talent in everything from finance to government to healthcare. And even in startups, there's about $250 billion in venture capital out there waiting to be deployed. But when you look at these companies and you think about, about where their cuts are going to come from and what they need to do, the bigger issue is they've got to find new sources of growth. Mm -hmm. In every one of these cases, from Apple to Amazon to Meta, they're all dependent on the old 
old sources of growth. And, and by the way, that's why they're coming to, to our company, Activate, because they're looking for new places for growth. Cost has a human, huge human toll, but it's actually much more difficult than growth. Okay, so let's talk about the growth that hopefully some of these people who are now getting, we hope, decent severance packages and able to go and set up their own startups, or indeed a meta that now doubling down on the continued trajectory of a different kind of growth, a focus on a Web3, let's call it. You're, of course, the man who puts together the future analysis. You're putting together what 2023 is going to look like for us. Is Meta the right bet? Um, I, the, the, the challenge is Meta's Metaverse bet is all about virtual reality. Mm. And what's happened overall with Metaverse is we're already past the hype cycle. I mean, we've already hit the peak of, of hype, and now we are going to see sustained investment. But the sustained investment may not be in the places that Meta's focused. So for example, the Metaverse doesn't necessarily mean virtual reality, not necessarily virtual reality headset. In fact, our research shows that most people don't spend more than 30 minutes at any one time in, in, in virtual reality. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it's going to be 2D, and a lot of it's going to start in video games. And in fact, when you look at the metaverse, you have between four video games, between Roblox, Fortnite, Minecraft, um, you end up having 300 million people who are spending a great deal of their lives, on average, 11 hours a month. And some of them are spending 40 hours a week in these games. And so and they're all metaverse platforms. So the idea that this is way off in the future, and by the way, none of it is spending time with an Oculus headset. <laughs> so it depends. Every company is gonna take a different bet. It just may not necessarily be the right bet. What you mentioned Roblox and what Roblox sort of for many helped with this whole idea of a metaverse. We could then see, ah, that's maybe where crypto comes in. That's maybe where the payment, you know, when you're buying skins and the like, suddenly you have a native currency, you have a digital currency, for want of a better expression. When we're starting to see the fallout that we've just done with FTX or crypto in general, is that going to impact the metaverse, Web3, the direction of travel in any way? Well, well, actually, the payments that are taking place inside of those large metaverse platforms, they're not crypto. And when people look at metaverse, they think Web3 and metaverse are the same thing. In a lot of ways, they're not. Web3 depends on really decentralized protocols, uh, crypto. It, it, and metaverse is really the consumer layer. So in the same way that we saw the browser was necessary for the internet. Mm -hmm. me me metaverse is going to be necessary for Web3, but we're, we're, we're way far off in seeing the applications of these technologies in Web3. Okay. And what's happened even today with FTX shows that, uh, that the tools may be valuable, but their application is going to take a while to be applied. Activate founder and CEO Michael Wolf, come back when you are talking to, of course, all these businesses looking for that steer. We thank him for it. We have uh, you know, a few billion on our balance sheet right now. We are profitable. We're in a relatively strong place from a financial perspective. I want to be doing something net positive, like with the, the making money part, like like I, I want to be a good actor there. We've raised a few billion dollars over the course of the last uh, last couple of years and we're a profitable business. And with Voyager, I think you know there's $70 million there that that, that we put in that I didn't, I'm not sure we're ever seeing that 70 million again. We've not used the majority of the cash that we have on our, our balance sheet. We want to be flexible. We want to be in a position where we are, uh, you know, looking forward 
at uh, you know what we can be doing, where we can be most helpful, um, and where we can grow the most. I'm excited about Pathway Forward. I'm really excited about our leadership. Wow, the FTX co-founder, former CEO Sam Bankman-Fried, talking to Bloomberg again and again about profitability, about growth in a series of interviews, in fact, from July to September of this very year, and then the downfall that we've just seen, the unraveling in one week, and one that perhaps was slightly more prophesized by our next guest, Mike Alfred, Eaglebrook Advisors founding board member, of course, a man who's deeply working within the world of crypto. He also happened to be a value investor, so uh, a man who can give us takes on whether you should be in AB InBev at the same time as whether you should be into certain cryptocurrencies. And Mike, first and foremost, why were you concerned or were you concerned about the the closeness, shall we say, of Ameda and indeed of what was happening at FTX? So I was concerned about a lot of things over the last two years in this space, right? So I think there's a couple of really big fundamental issues here. Uh, one is just a lack of corporate governance, right? So FTX basically had no outside investors on their board. Uh, many of these other companies that blow up, blew up this year had similar uh, setups where because they had so much leverage when they were raising money, there was nobody who could tell them what to do, right? Then there's a lot of leverage, right? You don't see blow-ups like this without a tremendous amount of leverage, right? That's going to typically be there in every situation. And then the last piece is just this overreach for yield in a low interest rate environment, right? So all of these firms are essentially doing these sort of poorly structured arbitrage trades. Mm. And so if you look back to the spring of 2021, the grayscale arbitrage trade, who was in that trade? 3AC, Celsius, BlockFi, right? When you look at Terra Luna, that was also an arbitrage trade. Borrow money from a trading desk at 10% to get 20% in anchor. Who was in that trade? Again, 3AC, Celsius, and of course, FTX. And so FTX blows up, uh, and uh, indirectly, it's because of the relationship with Alameda, mm. right? Because Alameda uh, essentially lost so much money in that anchor trade that they needed to paper over it. And that's where Sam crossed that bright line, right? Because up until that point, it was just gambling with the principal's money, in a sense. Yeah. But once he started gambling with the actual user's money at FTX, I think that's when things really went downhill. Five million users, but also a proliferation of high-profile celebrities, of well thought of and deep-pocketed venture capitalists and now been burnt and I'm sure incredibly angry at, Mike. I'm, what next in terms of credibility? Because as you've just been mentioning, the names, you've had Luna, Voyager, Celsius, you then have FTX. Is there another shoe to drop here? Is there a contagion risk? Is there other people that will be so badly burnt that there has to be further to fall? So eventually there won't be any contagion risk, but obviously those of us who felt the contagion was mostly contained in June uh, after Celsius were, were wrong. Um, you know, remember at that time, SBF went on your program and a number of others and said, look, this is over, mm. right? There's not going to be any more downside. And in and, and retrospect, he was clearly doing that to protect his own firm's liquidation levels. He wasn't doing it because he actually believed it. He wasn't doing it to be JP Morgan. He wasn't trying to save everybody. He literally was just protecting his own ass. And I get why he was doing that now, but I should have read kind of deeper into it and realized, okay, he probably has the same problems in his balance sheet. So roll forward to today, who could actually have more risk in their balance sheet that we know of. The one firm I can think of is Binance. Uh, and that's not a popular opinion. Um, there are a lot of people who want to believe that Binance is a good actor. But the reality is they're an offshore exchange that's thinly regulated, just like FTX. Uh, they don't even have a domicile, so it's hard to hold them accountable uh, for anything. And I'm sure and I'm certain that in some ways they're engaging in similar activities okay. on the back end. So that, that would be the ultimate That would be the ultimate blow up if something would happen to Binance. Well, of course, we'll go to Binance to try and get their take and have them be able to defend themselves, CZ in particular, but there is an interest, interesting take there that this is 
the centralization of ultimately what is wanting to be decentralized. Is there a way that you can have centralization other than perhaps a company that is public, that is regulated? How do you regulate non-public, non-US domiciled companies? Is there a way we can bring transparency? The, the promise of real transparency that so excited many about this space, can we ensure that that is happening when you do have these deep pockets and indeed a level of, of hiding behind certain arbitrages? I mean, I think there's sort of two ways. One is to just stick with a very safe, regulated onshore exchange that holds all the assets one-to-one, -one, doesn't lend them out, doesn't run a hedge fund in the background uh, like FTX or, or Celsius, um, or go all the way to the other side into true decentralization and leverage uh, DeFi protocols that are using code uh, mm -hmm. to offer these services, right? So Uniswap and Maker and Compound, you know, it, I think it needs to be noted that when you look back at what happened during the period where Celsius was being liquidated, um, you know, the, those protocols did a good job, right? They liquidated the, the counterparties immediately. No questions asked. They didn't care who you were. They didn't do any credit check. They didn't call you and say, please, sir, uh, deposit more collateral. They just did the job that was written into the protocol. And so I think true, truly decentralized DeFi um, could work at scale and may actually be better in most cases uh, to a centralized option. But if in the, in the meantime, while we're waiting for that to happen, using a company like Coinbase in the US is one of the safest ways to approach it. Let's talk a little bit about what regulation happens from now, Mike, because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of sharpening of pencils going on at the moment, because in many ways, he, Sam Bankman-Fried himself was seen as the main lobbyist out there and talking, and, and maybe have been his undoing in many ways when it comes to the relationship that disintegrated between himself and CZ because of that lobbying. But I'm interested when, actually, in the clear light of day, in real tradfi, traditional finance, you still get these blow-ups. You still have Archegos. You still have Bill White. You still have, goodness, a liquidity issue that happened just a month or so ago in the UK with its pension funds because of issues within the holdings of bonds and the movement. You know, even in deeply regulated markets, we can sometimes have these desperate affairs. How do we make regulation fit for purpose within crypto at the moment? So it's a, it's again, it's a, it's a tough question. But if yeah. you look at like MF Global, right? Um, you know, they went into bankruptcy and it took a little bit of time, but none of the sort of users of that platform lost any money. Um, same thing with other brokerage platforms, other banks. The regulation is so stringent, and there's so many protections that it's really hard for an end customer to lose all their money. And so. Look, I mean, that, that, that sort of regulation may stifle some innovation, but it also stops casual retail users from losing everything. And so I would err on the side of being more conservative uh, generally. I don't think it makes sense to uh, allow people to lever up 10x, 20x, 30x. I don't think it makes sense for these platforms to take the money on the back end and essentially gamble with it. And so if that means less innovation, I'm sort of okay with that. And interestingly, of course, the innovation, the froth, the money that poured in has sort of been pulled out. And it's almost a year exactly since Bitcoin was at 69,000 and then since to today when FTX is unraveling. Can you call a bottom in this market? Do, what do we need to instill some sort of trust back to in the relative space of, of other cryptocurrencies out there? I think the most important thing, once again, is that there's not going to be any taxpayer-funded government bailouts mm -hmm. here. And I think that will give people confidence once it's clear that there's no more dominoes left to fall. And I think in the coming days and weeks, as we look at the creditors 
uh, to uh, FTX, which they're just going to be numerous, uh, companies like BlockFi, et cetera, that BlockFi is probably going to file for bankruptcy eminently here. I've heard they've already hired counsel today, which makes sense. I sort of said that on Twitter two days ago, that you should pull your money off BlockFi because that was sort of an inevitable consequence of this. Um, so I, look, it's going to take a little bit of time, but sometime in Q1, Q2 of this coming year, there's going to be a wonderful, potentially generational opportunity to buy Bitcoin. And when I say just buy Bitcoin, I mean Bitcoin in cold storage where there's no counterparty, mm-hmm. where there's no risk that you lose all your Bitcoin. Because Bitcoin's a wonderful thing on its own. It's What we're talking about is all the adjacent centralized businesses that took on too much leverage that were often unregulated and they were offshore and they messed up. Um, and that happens in these sort of Wild West environments. But Bitcoin itself is still going to make a new block every 10 minutes uh, for the next 100, 200, 500 years. That's what we're betting on in the Bitcoin space. And if that comes true, it doesn't matter what happens to any of these companies. Oh, well, hear from the Bitcoin maximalists some more, but I'm, I'm not calling you one of those. But it's interesting that we'll once again go back to perhaps where people feel that they can trust for the time being. Mike Alfred, really great to have some time with you. Thank you. Eagle Brook Advisors, founding board member, of course, all about institutional access to some of these DeFi protocols. Well, I actually got to speak with a key CEO in the traditional finance space, American Express CEO Steve Squarey, just yesterday and talked about the fallout of crypto at the moment and whether or not it could still be an innovative space to be investing in, whether traditional payment methods could be disrupted through it. I spoke exclusively with him at the Economic Club of New York yesterday. Take a listen. We've looked at cryptocurrencies from when they first you know, started to gain traction. We've experimented with blockchain. We've got investments in blockchain um, companies. We have a partnership with Abra where uh, people earn cryptocurrency rewards. And you know, I've been pretty public that I, I believe that cryptocurrency is, is an asset class. And I think people like to invest in different asset classes and, and, and off you go. But I don't see it um, replacing the payment rails. Um, and, and, you know, and when I think about cryptocurrencies, I put that under the umbrella of digital currencies. And so I have, you know, you have digital currencies, you have the cryptocurrencies, your bitcoins, your Ethereum and so forth. And then you've got your stable coins. Um, and then you've got, you know, governmental digital currencies as well. And, and I think there, there's certainly is a play um, for digital currency in, you know, in the economy. Um, but it's, it's hard for me to see right now um, cryptocurrencies with the volatility, um, with the, um, the limited supply of some of them as well, how it really, um, you know, replaces the traditional payment methods. The, the one thing with the traditional payments methods, they're not broken. They work. Um, and um, so we'll see. Having said that, you never say never. And, and that's why you stay engaged. You listen to people. Um, you, you know, there's a lot of people that have a very different perspective than I have. And they've made a lot of money. They may be a lot smarter. But I think when I think about sort of the business that, that American Express is in, which is we're really a lifestyles brand that brings people experiences, provides access, and combines a payment facility with that, the, the horses that we have right now are, uh, are working for us. So maybe, just maybe, 
we get a bit of calm in the week ahead. Let's have a quick look at what we're actually covering. What's already on the agenda, we know that there might be some headlines we're not expecting, but there could be some fireworks when it comes to the Epic versus Apple trial. Monday, of course, a key focus there. We're going to be digging into key earnings of large mega brands, such as Walmart, of course. We're going to get a real sense check on where the retail, where the consumer is at, but also where the shopping online, how digital spend is going at the moment. Of course, NVIDIA front and center when we're thinking of US-China relations, when we're thinking of chips, when we're thinking of the semi conductor space at the moment and well whether we are in some sort of mega cycle once again and Airbnb CEO Brian Chesky is going to be joining Bloomberg on Thursday you want to be tuning into that exclusive conversation and then of course back to the courts come Friday Elizabeth Holmes the sentencing the Theranos trial you do not want to be missing that as we deep dive so much more of course coming to Bloomberg I'm pleased to say of course on Monday, we're going to have Sonny Singh, one of FTX's investors from their funding round back in 2020. Just how painful has that trade been? What does he think of the future? Check out our podcast as well. You can get it on Apple, Spotify and iHeart. Have a good weekend. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.